up? What's up, everybody? Yo, what's up, everybody? What's up, what's up you guys? Uh, welcome up? to our podcast, and this is our first episode of the Mathcast. I'm Moino. I'm Fosley. Greetings. My name is Imran. What's up, guys? What's good? Uh, my name is Brian. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about Zeno and who he is and what he did. So we're basically going to talk about Zeno of Elia. That's his full name. He's from, like, modern-day South Italy. And Zeno has, like, Greek inheritance. And he's most famous for his work on paradoxes. Yeah, and Zeno, man, this guy was kind of a hero in math, considering he's, like, made so many influential works throughout his life. He was born at around 495 BC. He died at around 430 BC at the age of 65. Pretty nice chunk of time to rock the world, if you ask me. He has authored some of the most significant yet famous paradoxes, some of which we will talk about today with each other. So, yeah, before we start with his, like, main work, we should probably give you guys a background on who he is and what he did. Yeah, and uh, one example of this is his purpose of his work and, like, what he did. Basically, like, Zeno's purpose was to defend his monoism of his mentor, Parmenides, who was accused by young Socrates that everything is not one singularity. Keep in mind that Zeno existed before the time of Socratic ideology, as Zeno claimed that all is one. So Zeno himself also invented the concept of logical debate in order for there to be a system of discussion instead of angrily, violently, and screaming and shouting at each other. And even Aristotle himself said that Zeno is the inventor of modern dialect, which is really good because some people don't know how to speak. So Zeno was basically ahead of his time. He thought of like how to talk logically to each other. Yeah. He's not like an old folk. He also believed in monoism, which was that um, basically like, yeah, I think it said like everything is one. Everything is one and like yeah, yeah. the unity yeah. of like, I guess, a sense of God. Yeah, it's just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you could, it's kind of like the Big Bang, speaking of modern day science, where it's believed that the universe comes from, well, boom, the single explosion that gave us all these planets and solar system artifacts unapologetically discovered and known mankind. So, yeah, you could relate to that. Yeah. And, like, before this time, most people believed in, like, multiple gods. But the thing is, you know, he thought, of like, yo, what if there's only one god and, I guess, one sense of energy, one singularity? Yeah. They didn't believe in god in the sense of, like, a, a personal god, but they believed, like, an energy god, like, a god in the sense of the universe. Yeah. So, you know, like, what he mainly did was he studied metaphysics, which is, like, a branch of philosophy, but examines the fundamental nature of reality. So, to make it more simple, you basically understand reality from the viewpoint of, like, science and, like, reasoning. So he was the ad fan of this philosophy. Like he's been, his whole life was about this philosophy. And he tried to understand and explain the world with these views. And he was the one of the first mathematicians to ever talk about infinity. Uh, okay. Um, can you explain on that? Like, what do you mean by like, he dealt with infinity? Like, what do so you mean? what I mean by infinity is like, before his time, no one really thought about infinity as nothing else, I guess. He thought of like using infinity to solve problems and like to make paradoxes around infinity. Before him, hmm. no one even tried to do that. Yeah, uh, I agree. And something cool about that is that he studied the mechanic of motion, and like he uh, he was seen as the one uh, one of the first physicians to ever like do that. Um, and he uses his, he uses like the concept of this in his paradoxes too. So yeah. So yeah, I guess we talked a lot about the background, who he is, where he's from. I think we should, at this point we should talk about his paradoxes itself. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take so a look be- at those. Yeah. So before we talk about the main paradoxes, let's go over what paradox we're talking about. Okay. So the first one is the, uh, the dichotomy paradox. Yeah. The second one is Achilles and the tortoise. The next one is the arrow. Green arrow. And we're also doing the moving rows. So these yeah. paradoxes are really like, these change the mind of like how people think of like 
concepts or anything. Because back then, like, no one really thought about things like this. And he did this for fun. It wasn't, like, any goal he had. Hmm. So we're uh, going to review these one at a time. Weren't these his uh, four main uh, paradoxes, right? Yes, that's true, Mo. So before this, he actually has multiple paradoxes, like, almost 40 of them. But today we're going to talk about the main, most popular four ones. Hmm. The reason okay. why these are so popular is because they, the way they twist your mind, as hmm. these are the hardest to understand as well, as the most fun. Wait, so why are these um, so important again, Imran? So, so basically, um, Zeno was, he was known more as a guy uh, who studied philosophy for fun rather than just for studying it. And he made these uh, paradoxes like by himself. And he thought like, what if I make a scenario where there's no answer? All these paradoxes have no true answer because they always go on infinitely. Yeah, that's very cool. Like, Zeno is a very interesting man. Today we're back in our second segment. We're going to discuss our paradoxes. The first paradox we're going to talk about is with Brian. The paradox is called the moving rose. Hello, everyone. Mine is called the moving rose, a.k.a. the stadium. And this was, was actually created by Zeno and his partner, one of his partners, Aristotle. Okay. And Zeno tried to create a paradox by creating physical objects of equal length that is aligned along three parallel rows within a stadium. That's why it's called the stadium. And one track contains a, a amount of bodies. So there, and so there's a table here that shows eight bodies shown. And another contains another set of bodies and another contains another set. So there's three rows in, in total. And each body is the same distance from its neighbors along the track. And all, and all the, and the, first, and the first row is stationary. And the B row is moving to the right, and the C row is moving at the same speed to the left. And these points that Zeno did in the time between the snapshots and after the snapshots, it shows that there was a usual way that the paradox is would that the paradox would be rejected with a controversial assumption. So we but we see his partner Aristotle argued that how long it takes for the body to, to pass depends on the speed of the body. So for example, if the body was to come toward you, then you can pass it in less time than if it's stationary. And today, scientists agree with Aristotle's diagnosis. And historically, this paradox of motion has seemed weaker than the previous three. And this paradox has been called the stadium, but is occasionally has the another title. All right. So um, moving on, we are going to talk about Achilles and the tortoise. And as the name probably suggests, this is a paradox that talks about a race that happens between the fast-running Achilles and a slowly-moving tortoise. Zeno argues that the tortoise is, by default, essentially given a head start. And with that head start in play, Achilles could run as fast as he possibly could, yet still not be able to catch up to the tortoise because the tortoise would have moved farther at this point. Aristotle then comes into the picture, and with all due credit to Zeno, he decides to solve the paradox by looking at Achilles' every segment of movement as potential rather than actual. Because he is stopping the motion, the motion is not actualized, so in essence, every segment of motion we look at does not exist unless something happens to them. So Fazli, could you actually explain how this process works in real life? 
Yeah, sure. So um, basically, say we have a situation where we're on a track, like, you know, a track in the schoolyard. So we're running a relay race. And basically, um, you're giving your friend a head start. They basically um, have run halfway around the track at this point. And then uh, by the time they ran halfway through that track, you start running. And basically, it would be impossible to catch up to your friend because um, by the time you start running, I mean your friend, he would basically have um, won the race and you would <laughs> be way far behind, if that makes sense. Um, so, okay, so my paradox is the dichotomy paradox, which is fairly easy to explain and understand. So let me just give you a brief definition of what dichotomy means. So it, it, like to help you guys understand like, for the purpose of this uh, paradox is basically dichotomy is like a division or a contrast between two things that are uh, entirely different. So uh, allow me to explain what Zeno's paradox says is that all motion is impossible. So like there's no motion in this world, basically. So, um, so for example, like in your head, imagine that you are at a certain point, like let's say your house or your home. And then one mile away is a park and you're traveling one mile per hour. So what Zeno's paradox says that you will always have to travel half the distance. So you'll always be going half and then one fourth and then one eighth, one sixteenth. So he's going to keep on going forever. And he's trying to say that you can never reach like, the, for example, like the park. So you can't reach that distance because your motion is impossible. You're going infinite amount. But that is impossible because within an hour, you can reach the park since you're going one mile per hour. And um, so hence, his uh, paradox is false because all motion is not impossible. So, Moinel, uh, I'm kind of confused here. So can you explain what you just said about traveling the miles and all that? Okay, so basically, like... Um, dichotomy says like everything is half so what uh xeno's paradox is trying to say that you're going half the distance and you then and then you're traveling half again so like let's say if you're going one half you're going and then you're going one fourth and then one eighth one sixteenth and so on and so forth so you keep traveling half and he's trying to say that um because of that motion is impossible and you can never reach a certain distance but we all know that's impossible because you can reach a distance within a certain amount of time. Finally, the last paradox we have today is the paradox of the arrow. So Zeno um, thought of an arrow as the perfect way to describe this paradox. So when someone shoots an arrow, it has to go through space. And before we talk about this paradox, we have to assume that time is divisible and time has uh, different sets of each other. You could think of time as different sections of a movie frame. What this means is like there's different nows. So every second, a different frame is being played, similar to a movie. So there's some premises we have to go through before we go uh, with the uh, paradox itself. When an arrow is at the place of its own size, it's at rest. At every moment of its flight, the arrow is at its place. It's just the same as uh, its own size. Therefore, every moment of the flight, the arrow is at rest. So what that means is if you, if you look at an arrow being shot and you break down the frames of it or the sections of it, it will look like the arrow is frozen because every frame, the arrow is now moving. This is quite confusing for someone because when you shoot an arrow, you would think the arrow is moving. But in fact, if you were to understand this in terms of Zeno's paradox, the arrow is frozen. Therefore, the arrow is never moving. 
the arrow only moves because all the frames look like the arrow is moving together. But obviously we know this argument is false. Aristotle actually has his own solution. He states that there's no such thing as now. So you can't divide time into pieces of nows. As time is always moving forward, we can't contain time. Also, there's no such thing as motion at rest. When something is at motion, it's at motion. When something is not at motion, it's not at motion. You can't actually think of them as separate motion. Therefore, this paradox is wrong. But this paradox is actually a paradox because in terms of Zeno, this would actually make it so that the arrow is never moving, even though arrows has been shot. So, guys, that was our math cast or cap cast podcast on Zemo. Thank you guys for tuning in to our first ever episode on MathCast. We hope you guys really enjoyed and actually learned something just like we all have. And thank you guys for tuning in. Absolutely. It was really nice talking to y'all. See you guys in the next one. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, also, wait. The MathCast, you know? This is the best we had. You know it was nice, you know? Yeah, and it was fun, by the way. See you guys later. All right, peace, guys. Peace, guys.